Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 63 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe and share the show around, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Joining me today is my co-host, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you today? I'm doing well. It's another Wednesday night. I don't really have anything interesting to say for this preview or intro. <laughs> Fair enough. I know. It's another Wednesday night. It was another great Wednesday night. I thought I had a ton of fun. And uh, I'm, I'm in a good mood because of that. Also, Jeremy, I got happy news. I want to... We need to thank the listeners. We had another record month for downloads. So You're welcome. I want to thank everybody. I need a thank you. I'm going to pull a Chris Jericho gimmick and just ask for thank yous. Uh, you took two shows off. You get no thank you. Um, I, I guess I did take two shows off. Listen, I'm making it up next week, though, because you're getting live perspective from me for Dynamite and Full Gear. So, uh, yeah, that, that more than makes up for taking two shows off. Yeah, we shall see. <laughs> I could do some name drops on this episode. I've been doing some interviews lately, too. Uh, it'll be like when we previewed the NWA 70 show and you name drop Nick Aldis like eight times and flip. Yeah. Oh, wait till the wait till the uh, MLW preview. Uh-huh. I got some names to drop for that one. All right, cool. Yeah, we're gonna talk AEW Dynamite, uh, NXT TV, and then we are going to preview MLW Super Fight Pay Per View, which takes place Saturday night. So uh, we have a nice slate to talk about tonight, and a lot of good stuff, Jeremy. I'm in a great mood. It, the Wednesday nights are always good, so let's get to it. I know, I'm uh, I'm very happy. So we will start off with AEW Dynamite, October 30th, 2019. We started off, Jeremy, uh, Tony Schiavone welcomed us to the show from the airport where Cody and Dustin were getting off of a private jet. Cody and Dustin shared a hug as Tony and Cody then departed for the arena in a limo. Uh, that led to highlights from last week where we saw Paige challenging uh, Pac to a match at the pay-per-view, and then Tony Khan had informed John Moxley backstage, and they, I like how they did this, because they've tried to make sure Tony Khan's not going to be like a regular on-TV thing, uh, he was in his office, Moxley went in his office, and they were arguing about, uh, basically Moxley being an asshole lately and attacking referees, so Tony Khan informed him that his pay-per-view match with Kenny Omega will now be an unsanctioned match due to his actions. This did not please young John Moxley, who ranted that Tony Khan didn't want him getting a sanctioned win over his boy, and that whatever happens to Omega is now on him. Your thoughts on the overall show open this week? I like the the Cody stuff with Tony Schiavone. Very throwback to WCW and, and NWA, Ric Flair riding in the limo and stuff. It, it was shot very dark, like the kind of wcw stuff as well like the almost the nwo ish kind of stuff um so i I really like that and then the the moxley thing not seeing tony khan was was a nice touch because khan doesn't want to be on screen as an authority figure so this was a way to still like kind of have an authority figure without actually having him present the unsanctioned stuff like they did they've done it once with uh, I guess they've done it twice because Omega and, and Janela I think was technically unsanctioned as well, and obviously Moxley and Janela was was unsanctioned. So that's three times now. It it feels very 
we want to protect win loss records. So this is what we're going to do. And I don't really like that. Like just make it a no disqualification match or make it whatever, a street fight, whatever you have to do. Like, why does it have to be unsanctioned and why does it have to be like, yeah, so this is, it's, it's literally done to protect records. That's the only reason you're doing it. Like Moxley is correct in that assessment. Yeah. Uh, that, that does come up a little odd. I'm not a huge fan of it. Cause it's like the other thing too is, is like, if you're trying to protect wins and losses again, you've already established in your canon that draws are a thing. So you don't have to get overly elaborate and do a, as you mentioned, a third unsanctioned match already in the company's run. So, yeah, um, I did like the overall general idea and how they did it, but uh, again, like you, kind of not a big fan of them rushing to another unsanctioned match. And it's, I didn't like. I know Moxley was upset because he thought, "Oh, you're protecting your boy," but. Moxley should also be like chomping at the bit to be able to just tear Omega apart. And and I think if you just do like, hey, let's just do a, a DQ match that or no DQ match, then you still get the same effect. It's just the the wins and the win and the loss count. And that like that's what comes off t- cheap to me is this is only done to you you've said so many times that wins and losses matter, and now because you don't want Omega taking another loss or Moxley taking like his first loss, you you're just this is your way out of it. So I'm not really a fan of it. Yeah. Although speaking of Moxley wanting it badly though, we did get that later in the show, which is good. So yeah, yeah, true. We opened up with a uh, Hangman Page versus Sammy Guevara. Um, Hangman Page beats Sammy just over eight minutes via pin. Jeremy, uh, I thought this was a good opening match. Obviously, the right winner ahead of the pay-per-view because he's going to be facing Pac. Uh, And the good news is the crowd was super hot for this. I thought Paige looked really good. And he I'm not saying he came off like a superstar, but he felt kind of like the star they want him to be tonight because he looked good and got that great reaction. He felt like the biggest star that he's felt like in in the company's run which is good um a way different sign than how he was at all out not a fan of them beating Guevara here he's already lost uh like he lost to Cody I don't even know if Guevara like has a win he lost to Kip Sabian didn't he like yeah you know he's part of the inner circle like this guy should be protected a little bit like he just kind of looks like the guy that you're just gonna beat up on in the group and i guess okay every group needs that but you're supposed to present these guys as like strong so like why couldn't you have used just i guess they already they had hangman beat kip sabian in that terrible fucking match but i I think they could have used somebody else in this spot i don't Guevara taking this loss, not not a big fan of that. Hangman was great. Uh, yeah, his his post match promo was awesome, and he came off like a star. My my complaint is just that uh, Guevara didn't need to be in this match. It is a fair argument. They definitely could have used somebody else, but again, I'm I'm a little more concerned with the fact that you know we have the right guy winning ahead of the pay per view, so I can kind of let that go. Um, but I mean, it, it is a fair talking point because you don't want to get Sammy Guevara like in a deep, like O and eight hole or some bullshit like that. But, uh, and you mentioned pages post-match promo. He talked about how things weren't going very well, but the wind felt great. And he promised he was going to do some real cowboy shit to pack at the pay-per-view. Yeah. And then the crowd chanted cowboy shit. I know. Yeah. Put that on a t-shirt, Jeremy. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Put everything on a t-shirt. Fuck it. Why, why yeah. not if they're selling? Uh, next up, uh, Hikaru Shida making her return, uh, facing off with 
Shauna making her AEW debut. Jeremy Hikarashita won 10:45 via pin. Your thoughts? A good match considering I had no expectations for it and like both of these competitors came in cold. Sheeta's maybe been on TV if she has my memory's not good and I don't recall it. And Shauna, Shayna, I don't think she's ever even been mentioned on TV. So she was completely cold here and they worked hard, got the crowd behind them. And I guess Sheeta is, is the correct winner here because uh, Shane is making her, her debut. We'll see where they go with the, the women's division. I've heard, I've seen a lot of complaints about kind of how they're not featuring this too much. And I think some of it's valid. Like Riho is maybe defending her title at the pay-per-view like we and if she is she doesn't really have a contender so the the women's division has certainly taken a a back seat but these women work hard and this was a good match yeah uh they definitely still have some fleshing out to do with the women's division for sure um not only from a pure booking standpoint but of who they're using and how they're going to use them like uh like the uh, you know you had the other week you had like the bad Nala Rose uh, Leva Bates match and then like the dark match was a four way this week and it was it was solid to pretty good um, but again left a lot to be desired overall um, I thought this one was good though um, I'm constantly surprised on how the Joshi talents continue to win over the U S crowds I think that's a, such a great thing to see uh, love Karshida she will be my future ex wife one day. <laughs> and uh, Shauna is, uh, she's actually a lot older than most think. I think she's like 37. She appeared on some of the early volumes of Shimmer and uh, kind of one of those victims of having a problem getting a travel visa from the UK, I believe. Um, so uh, I think they signed her or they're going to use her at least more moving forward. So that'll be interesting. I thought she looked good though in her in losing effort, but yeah, good match. Yeah, for sure. And we got a really fucking weird Brandy Rhodes video package. She was obsessing over the women's division and doing a voodoo thing and apparently, like, summoning Awesome Kong or turning into Awesome Kong or who the fuck knows what they were doing here. This was straight out of Pretty Little Liars. I don't know if you've ever seen that show, but, uh, yeah, she she's basically she's going to uh, terrorize the women's division with Awesome Kong. I... I didn't mind this video package. Like it was kind of, it was shot well. It was done well. It's just like it's Brandy Rhodes, and I don't know. I'm just impossible to care. Not yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of tough to care about Brandy Rhodes, and you know if she's gonna be a witch, and then she's also gonna be in front of the cameras with like as a brand and stuff. It's it's it seems like a cool idea, just maybe the wrong person at the helm of it. Yeah, it's like I said, it was just really fucking weird. So, uh, so we went back to the arena. The Rock and Roll Express arrived for an interview. They were going to be presenting the AEW tag titles to the winners tonight. They had the belts with them, but not so fast, my friend. Santana and Ortiz attacked, beat the shit out of them, power bombed Ricky Morton through the uh, little breakaway stage deal. The Bucks arrived and ran them off and checked on them, and that's a. Uh, more set up for the uh, Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz coming up at the pay-per-view. God bless the Rock and Roll Express for taking this fucking beating. Um, honestly, they probably didn't need to do it. Like They could have just come out there, presented the titles, and gotten their payday, and that would have been that. Hey, and they were like, no, Ricky's we're going to put over. working for a payday, brother. Yeah, well, they, they put over uh, Santana and Ortiz here, and I thought that was a, a good use. You're burying the future NWA tag team champions, though. I know. Uh, Billy Corgan will not be happy. 
<laughs> so I thought that came off well, though. I like that. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Uh, so next we went back to video, or technically, I guess, live video, as Cody Rhodes and Tony Schiavone were riding in the limo on their way to the arena. Tony was telling Cody a story about Dusty Rhodes meeting with Willie Nelson and how uh, Willie Nelson arrived at the pool first and Tony went up to get Dusty from his room and Dusty was naked in his room and then he got dressed and he said, is Willie already there? And he's like, yeah, he's like, good. The star always comes out second. So they had a little (laughs) bonding moment over Dusty and then Cody spoke about how his mom's coming to the pay-per-view and that, you know, he thinks about his dad a lot, but he just wants to impress his mom. He knows Jericho is great, but this is his time. And Tony gave him a little motivational speech talking about how emotion is good because it drives you. I like this. I, I thought this was really well done. Yeah, it was good. So uh, Next up, we got our... There was a, the report that we were going to have the Rick and Morty tie-in tonight. And there was uh, masks in the fans. And this was our tie-in match. And I know... People are going to hate it. Jim Cornette's going to shit all over it. It's going to be the status quo. But the best fringe in Orange, and Orange Cassidy dressed up in Rick and Morty stuff versus John Silver, Alex Reynolds, and QT Marshall. Best friends in Orange Cassidy won in three minutes. It was pretty much exactly what it needed to be. Best friends in Orange Cassidy are over big time. The tie-in stuff like didn't really land for me, and I can see why people will hate it. But I thought it was exactly what it was supposed to be. Best friends get a rebound win after losing in the tag title tournament and losing to the Bucks last week. And you got Orange Cassidy on TV doing Orange Cassidy things. And I'm sorry if you, you people are going to dispute it, but the act is over. Um, Orange Cassidy rules. Anyone who says otherwise is wrong. The Rick and Morty tie-in. Uh, like I'm a huge fan of the show. This really didn't do much for me to to be honest. And Jim Ross clearly hated this, which gave me much pleasure. I thought they turned his mic down for this. Either that or the crowd was so loud you could not hear Jim Ross, which either way just says all that needs to be said. Either they don't trust this guy to, to give to to put this thing over and so they can't uh you know can't turn his mic up for it because they're worried about him burying talent that he shouldn't be burying or the crowd drowned him out which says these guys are fucking over so yeah a big fan of orange cassidy he rules put all the titles on him did you see those vicious leg kicks he was throwing look man i haven't seen leg kicks like that since alistair overream i know he's he's i think orange has been working out at like att or something dude he's he's putting in work so, but anyway, it was it was entertaining for what it was. I didn't think it took away from the show, but again, I can see why people don't like it. So, uh, and then we had the big con- those people are wrong. <laughs> had the big Chris Jericho Cody Rhodes contract signing. Uh, Jericho made his entrance first, wearing a what was it like David Pumpkins jacket from Saturday Night Live. It was lovely. Yeah, David S. Pumpkins. Yeah. Uh, and then Cody uh, arrived in the limo with uh, Tony Schiavone. Made his way in. Crowd loved Cody. Uh, They hated Chris Jericho here. And let me tell you something. I think that the fact that Chris Jericho at this stage in his career where he's pretty much beloved, the fact that he can still elicit legit heel reactions is just a testament to how good the guy is. Because for a while, I mean, no matter what he did, he was kind of in that like late stage Ric Flair thing to where, you know, no matter what Flair would do in WCW and even WWF later or later on, they kept trying to turn him heel, but people didn't want to boo Ric Flair because they know he's Ric Flair and he's great. And Chris Jericho is kind of in that stage of his career where everybody generally likes Chris Jericho. Everybody realizes how good he has been and how good he still is. 
but he's turned into such an asshole that he's he's getting heat. And I think that's really great. You know, telling the hillbillies to shut up, making fun of the millennials. So he talked about how this was the biggest match in AEW history and the biggest in Cody's career. If Cody wins, he'll finally be a world champion. Low-key shot at ROH. Uh, so, but that if he loses, it'll prove that he's not nearly as good as he thinks he is. Jericho promised to teach him a lesson. They were going to be professionals. They they teased like toppling over the table. They never did. They had a face off and shook hands, and then Sammy Guevara appeared on the big screen. And Jake Hager was kicking the shit out of Dustin outside by the limo. He gave him the Hager low blow, which debuted at Bellator over the weekend. Slammed his arm in the limo door, which was a uh, shades of the Horseman breaking Dusty's arm, and also Arn and Larry Zabisco breaking Barry Windham's arm in Halloween Havoc. When uh, actually Dustin Rhodes was Barry Windham's tag team partner, so nice, nice little throwback there. Cody arrived too late to make the save, and then Jericho, like a douchebag, lit up a uh, big cigar in celebration. This segment was awesome from from start to finish. The the contract signing, I could. Give or take, like they're they're usually just kind of pointless. But I did like they seemingly had an actual lawyer present, and they did it on the stage instead of in the ring. So it it was something different. Like the setting was just different. So I appreciated that. And then the backstage stuff again, straight out of the. I mean, you you mentioned the the callbacks there, straight out of NWA WCW uh, booking. There, it was shot in the dark. It came, it was a very nitro segment of it's rainy outside and you got the heel group attacking Dustin Rhodes, breaking his arm. I like that Hager used the, the knee to the nuts that he did in Bellator. That was cool. Sammy Guevara, uh, with his blog and everything about this whole thing came off really strong. And Chris Jericho is amazing in his role of being a dick. I, the lighting of the cigar was fantastic i wish he'd lit it with like money yeah and just been like you know uh, more tony khan's money whatever like, i think that would have been a, an even better touch but it was still it was still a good touch because cody's the big cigar guy and shit so jericho lighting the cigar like made a lot of sense i i really enjoyed this segment it was good and i know some people might take it wrong when you're saying kind of shot like nitro to kind of clarify what I think you mean is the fact that it's not overproduced. It's not super bright. It doesn't look like it's so planned out. And right, that's exactly. what makes it work. Right. It, it comes off very like realistic. Like That's how Nitro was for their outside the ring segments is they – it worked well with these elements because it was kind of wet out and everything and – it, it just comes off, as you said, like more realistic than a lot of what you will see in, in WWE where it's like, okay, they're outside, but it's still kind of like, it just doesn't feel, it feels like it's part of the show. And this, it's obviously part of the show, but the way it's shot just feels different than, than how things are shot in WWE. And I think that like, I'm not saying WWE is wrong for the way they shoot things. I'm just saying that this came off different and it came off like Nitro because Nitro would shoot things differently than WWE. Like it, what Eric Bischoff, he, he always preached, like we want something, we want to do stuff that, you know, it makes you feel like it's live. It makes you feel like anything can happen. And that's how AEW was shot, especially this segment. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that. It's uh it's those little things too. It's a little production changes. Also, it goes back to like the star of the show. I like how, Every week, they're kind of mixing up how they start the show. 
you know, last week we had the uh, the tag title uh, or the tag tournament stuff already in the ring. This week you have Cody arriving in the jet to set up the stuff for the contract signing. It's just uh, little things, little differences. Again, like people always say, why do you hate to show opening promos? Sometimes it's good and it accomplishes goals. Yes, it is, but it's like anything else. If you use it every fucking week, it loses all of its impact. Diminishing returns. So I like that they're able to mix things up here. So I, I, I do appreciate that. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so the Elite versus Angelico, Jack Evans, and Kip Sabian was up next. We got a really wacky video package before this match. It was a like old school video game graphics with a message asking Kenny if he remembered us and said, we're still uh, inseparable after all this time and had little video game versions of his friends. And it said, cleaner, remember your friend, your best friend. He was never on your side. And it's only a matter of time before everyone else goes away. And it was like a talking lion's head. And then they had like a silhouette, uh, which basically was supposed to be Kota Ibushi holding the G1 uh, trophy up there. Uh, And it was just kind of, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. It was fucking wacky, Jeremy. What did you think of this? I wasn't like a huge fan of it because it was like it was wacky and we'll see where it goes. I, I got to think they're telling some type of a story here. The the New Japan kind of and Kota Bushi references I could have just sort of lived without. And that's I was uh, my biggest complaint about it is all right, why like why are you referencing this stuff? I'll I'll let it I'll let it play out though. I, I will give them time and, and see where it goes. But Kenny Omega's character, honestly, not doing a whole lot for me in AEW. It, it just feels very all over the place. And yeah, not not really doing it for I me. I think all over the place is an extremely fair criticism because it's like I don't know quite what he's supposed to be. It's yeah, like, like if I didn't if I didn't know Kenny Omega, the best bout machine, which is a stupid nickname, uh, from from New Japan, and I didn't really know his history, and, and most AEW fans do, but if you don't even if you do, like it still just feels like what are you trying to portray? Like he's obviously a great wrestler, but if you watch Being the Elite he, you know, he's down in the dumps and he's going like on a bender, and then they seemingly drop that. And now he's, you know, he does his video game cosplay and okay, cool. But he's also like a madman who wants to fight John Moxley with a barbed wire broom. And then he's also a guy coming out and, and saving Riho when she's getting crushed by Nyla Rose. Like, who are you? Yeah, and it's it's really weird. I'm hoping they can get that locked in like very much sooner rather than later because it's just... Again, I don't know what to make of the character. As, as far as the wrestling goes, I mean, he was really great in this match, I thought. Uh, he felt like um, like he was kind of back on track and everything, and I think that's good as far as wrestling goes. But the character is just, like, he's all over the place. Um, so anyway, the Elite defeated Angelico, Jack Evans, Kip Sabian, uh, 11.35 via pin, Jeremy. Thought it was very good all-action tag. It allowed everybody to get some time to shine. And obviously, ahead of the pay-per-view, the right team won. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the Elite were always going to win this match. It, it was a good match. Jack Evans, it's amazing to watch him still perform today at a high level at that. Like, you were 
around in the early 2000s when this man was doing 890 planches off the top of cages onto concrete because no one would fucking catch him and shit. Like, it's amazing that he's still alive, much less performing at this level. Yeah, and the fact that he's essentially working the same fucking style, too. Yeah. Like, he throws in some occasional wacky lucha submissions, but otherwise, he works like the same shit. And, I mean, obviously, he did have a gymnast background and stuff, but damn, I mean, yeah, it's a... It is crazy that he's still going that strong after all this time. Uh, Post-match, the Young Bucks were attacked by some unruly fans, which were Santana and Ortiz wearing Young Bucks shirts and Rick and Morty masks. Uh, So they beat the shit out of them until Kenny Omega run them off. Uh, Again, uh, build towards their pay-per-view match. Another fine angle. Yeah, it was was good. I liked it, and pay-per-view match should be great. They're, They're officially going by Proud and Powerful, though. The name sucks. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, somebody said like at the beginning they teased they were to go by like the Bariquas, which, you know. Yeah, that's what Jim Ross called them at All Out. Which was like obviously late 90s WWF throwbacks to the gang wars. I I would much prefer that over proud and powerful. Like they really couldn't come up with something else. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. I'm not a fan of it either. So then the fucking librarians came out. And they were droning <laughs> on about shit. And then John Moxley arrived to kill Peter Avalon with a Death Rider. So that was good. That's fine. I, I was shocked that they got off of YouTube, but if they're getting killed, okay. Yeah, when they when their music hit, I was like, all right, this can't be like they're they're not actually gonna let them do anything. Uh, this was a good use of them, Moxley just coming out and killing them, and uh, cut, then cutting a really good promo. Yeah, Moxley was then all fired up. He said. Talked about how his match with Omega at the pay-per-view is now unsanctioned. He loves no rules, but he hates that the win won't count when he beats Omega. AEW wants to treat him like an outsider. He knows that feeling and hates the suits and puppets telling him what to do. He's not stupid, and AEW can shove their win-loss records up their ass. Uh, He's the baddest and sickest man in this business, and be careful what you wish for because he will beat Omega within an inch of his life and will deliver violence not seen in decades. You can kiss my ass and stay out of my way. So it's pretty great fiery promo here, which was about time because we really needed a, a Moxley promo on this show. Really strong and really realistic as well. And I mean, I, you know, there's obviously going to be the, oh, well, of course it was. It wasn't scripted and all this shit. I, I mean that as far as you could tell at certain points, like, he repeated himself. Maybe he lost his train of thought. Uh, why he tried to gather himself, but that's what you know. That's okay because that's what a promo sometimes should be. Like it doesn't always have to come off like something where you can tell this was just one hundred percent memorized and like this you could tell wasn't 100% memorized this was something where they were told Moxley go out there grab the mic say whatever you want and, and that's what he did and, and like using curse words as a way to kind of mask um like I do it all the time on this podcast uh using curse words as a way to to mask your thoughts a little bit while while you gather yourself like you could tell that it, he used all those tricks, and again, there's nothing wrong with that because he did bring the entry. Uh, blah. He did bring the energy with it, and he said it was such conviction that and, and, and such fire that you still believed it and everything. So, it, it like that's what made it work is the fact that it did come off very realistic. And I think when you're cutting like a fucking fiery promo like this, it's better to have it be 
almost a little disjointed in places like that. Because, like, the, the Miz was doing an interview where he was talking about the uh, the Talking Smack promo on Daniel Bryan. And yeah, he, yeah, I know what you're he gonna said say. he had gone back and watched that, and then, like, he was mad with himself because he thought he stumbled over words and, you know, it, it wasn't smooth and all that. And then people were telling him that, no, like, that was... It felt real. You could tell like you had great emotion in there and everything. And that's that's what you need sometimes. Because I don't want, you know, p- people coming out and like reciting these fucking monologues. And like, yeah. like on like, like raw opening segments half the time. It's not even like a promo. Because like somebody comes out, they kind of recap what happened last week. They share a line or two about what makes them upset. And then somebody comes out and interrupts them. So this here, I mean, I'd rather have this a little stumbly, but like you could feel the emotion. Like this dude was pissed off and like you could tell he was almost venting a little bit with the the suits and puppets line. Cause this is a dude that just wanted to cut promos and do cool shit when he was with WWE for so long. And then he was always handed a script and it was like, like he said in his interview with Jericho that we broke down months ago now just like words he would never use and stuff that he would never say and like, or feel. And he felt like there was no emotion to it. So you get somebody like this, who's dying to cut a promo and he's dying to show emotion and he's dying to show what he can do. And he delivers. So I thought it was really great. And again, adds to the build for the pay-per-view, which I thought they again, did really good work on this show doing. Yeah, uh, agreed. I I like the the John Moxley promo. It it came off again very realistic, and he he needed it, and like he should be happy that it's an unsanctioned match, or at least that he wants to, um, you know, kill Kenny Omega. He's gonna murder a man. That's violence, right. Jeremy. Uh, so then we closed up. The main event was for the first ever AEW Tag Team uh, Champions. SCU defeated the Lucha Bros just under 13 minutes. Jeremy, your thoughts first. Good match. I thought I could have used a little bit more time. I mean, once it started, uh, when it did start, you kind of knew like, okay, well, it's going to end at this point because um, they're not going to do another uh, time limit, TV time limit thing, especially for, for this kind of match. Like I thought I could have used more time. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough for these four to have a bad match and they worked a, a sprint style, which worked. Ray Phoenix is fucking awesome. Oh the, the finish, the finish came off a little bit flat. Like I liked it in the sense that it felt out of nowhere. Like, okay, just beating guys with your finishers, you know, and doing a million kickouts. Like you can do that stuff. But for this spot, like doing that kind of flash small package finish, like works and, and is different and comes off. It just comes off different. And I think that's a good thing. The, the problem is it, it also came off just flat because fans wanted to see, being the tag team main event fans wanted to see like the 50 million kickouts and they they didn't get that and so uh, the crowd like they popped but it wasn't like this monster pop and even during the celebration like you really couldn't hear if if the crowd was making noise you you couldn't hear much of it because they were just kind of celebrating and fans are like wait really that like that was the finish yeah, I think that's a, a fair assessment, but I also think that for me, I thought the finish played into the overall story well because the overall story of the tournament was SCU having to overcome the odds. 
The Luchas attack them before the tournament starts. They take out Daniels. Sky has to be replaced. They had to keep fighting to get to the finals. They get to the finals. And then they overcome the assholes that took out their buddy. And they just, you know, they out-wrestled them. It was a surprise. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I don't disagree with you on the fact that it did come off a little flat to the live crowd. But I do think that it worked very well for the story overall. Yeah, I'm not saying that it, it didn't work. Again, I, I like the finish. I thought it was different, and it did play into the story. The, the problem is, if you watched on TV, like the crowd didn't it didn't get the reaction that I think they were hoping for. Yeah with it and, and like that that would to me was just disappointing that like the crowd didn't get, give them the, a good reaction to it because the match was really strong and a finish like that like it, it was like cody when when cody beat sammy guevara you know it was he, he got the knees up and then he pinned him and and that was that and it's like okay cool something different like we got something different here but you know the the aew crowds in these main events they expect these just complete all-out balls-to-the-walls matches, and you can't always do that on TV. And I actually like that AEW, they're they're not going to always do that on TV. Like, give me the the television time limit draws every now and again. Give, give me the, the small package finish every now and again. Like, the, that works for me. Yeah, so... The crowd just has to accept that this is part of AEW, and... Like they and they just have to accept it. They can't, you know. AEW they've been very much like all action, all action, all action, and so the crowd just has to learn that okay, sometimes you're not gonna get that kind of fifty million kickout finisher main event that you're hoping for. You want to see that by the pay per view. Like that's the goal by the pay per views. Yeah, and again, that's a it's part of educating your audience overall. Like you have to. Uh... You have to educate them for several things, like the time limit draws and stuff like that. So it's going to be a process. But yeah, I think uh, I I wish it came off a little better too. But I mean, I still think that it worked overall. So I mean, you know, sometimes you have to sacrifice the initial crowd reaction here so that it can work down the line. Like you said, kind of breaking the habit of people expecting, um, you know, just sprints with 800 finishers and kickouts and all that. But, uh, yeah. So anyway, I thought it was, I, I really enjoyed the main event. I thought it came off great overall. And, uh, so that is AEW for this week. And now we get to talk about NXT, Jeremy. All right. NXT, another good show. AEW, good show. NXT, good show. Yeah, uh, the show opened with uh, Poppy doing a live performance uh, and Io Shirai making her entrance. Io just looking like a complete fucking star. Uh, so we opened up Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae, Jeremy, in our opener. Io beat her at 12.55 via pin. Uh, the finish came when Io brought in a chair. Uh, Candice cut her off. And hit the flatliner and super kick. She then went for the lion salt. Io was laying on the chair. Io moved. Candace ate the chair, got pinned. Um, I thought this was very good, not on the level of the excellent takeover match they had, which would have been very hard to recreate um, because that was so good, I thought. But I thought it was very good. They continued to work really well together. It provided a hot start for the show and will um, play into the show later on as well because. Uh, Shirai beat her ass post match and Rhea Ripley made the save. 
yeah, a strong opener. Uh, it was never going to be takeover level that they had, but that that's okay. It exactly. it shouldn't be. It's it's a it's a TV match. And EO getting the win, I understand it. Uh, you know, Candice is the underdog babyface and I mean she she did, she did get the win in the four-way, but Candice not having much luck with the the singles matches as of late. Yeah. But again, that will play more into the show later on. Pete Dunne versus Damian Priest rematch is set for next week. Finn Balor arrived, Jeremy, and cut his uh, big Wyoming heel promo. Your thoughts? I, I it was fine. I kind of wish like he had said less, almost, and, and I wish he had said less, or I wish that he wasn't doing a bunch of media leading up to this because like I, I don't know if you've read like he's done 50 different interviews over the last week like discussing like he was on WWE backstage and I thought like the the prince's back line was great and he did have some good lines in um in, in some of his interviews where he was talking about like you know, you know this isn't a return to to prince devitt and and bullet club like this is a combination of everything and, and like this just felt like a, con- a super condensed version of all of his media interviews. And it just felt like he he's talked too much to where I, I didn't care to almost see this promo. And if you recall last week, like I was really excited to see what he had to say. And like that, that was their big hook and I wanted to tune in. But then they have him go on this media tour and it's like, all right. I've heard him say everything he's going to say in a very long form version. So now whatever he says, like it, it, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't really work for me. I thought his, his work was good here, but like you said, it, it kind of feels like he said everything he needed to say before this. And I just, it didn't come off like that like the big promo he needed to have after that heel turn. Like, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it, but it's just like, like you said, he's, he taught the TMZ. He was on that, the backstage show or whatever the fuck it was. And he's done like a bunch of interviews. So I heard variations on all these talking points and it's like, it's fine. And I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm expecting too much sometimes in 2019, but I just, and no, I guess I'm not because now I'm going to get to co-opt the line again. Cause I just saw a bunch of great promo work on AEW between like Jericho and Moxley. But sometimes I just, I wait for someone to come out and cut that money promo in WWE. Like the, the line about oh, Bray Wyatt put on a mask and he was the hottest thing. I took mine off and now I'm the hottest thing. Like, Really, like that's the line you, you're gonna use. It just, I, I didn't need a comparison to Bray Wyatt. Like he had better lines in his interviews. Like he had a good line in, in his uh, interviews talking about like, yeah, you know, nobody watched NXT when when I was gone. And all right, you don't want to quite bury the product like that. But he had a line about Gargano, and this is who his feud is with. He had a line about Gargano. Uh, of like Gargano was champion for 58 days. Like this is who you guys get behind and whatnot. Like I was champion for 250 days. Like that's what being NXT is like stuff like that. Like that was better than what he said here. Oh, Johnny wrestling. I'm going to turn him into Johnny watches wrestling. Like the line is just so corny. 
Yeah, um, not the best verbiage for Finnegan there. It, um, again, I just, I, I, I was just hoping for more. I, 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 I desperately wanted him to come out and just nail a money promo and like. I don't need him to break down every step of his motivation, but I just, I wanted him to make me care about it more. Yeah. I don't need him to break down all the motivation either. Like the motivation can just be again, like Johnny Gargano. Like this is the guy you, you get behind. And while I'm, you know, on the main roster, and seemingly forgotten about like i'm gonna show you why like like i'm the reason nxt is here because balor he's a huge huge reason they didn't tour before finn balor was champion you know he brought them to that level like finn balor is a big reason why nxt is on the usa network and that's why i was so excited for his return because it it made all the sense in the world and like this promo just didn't it didn't it just didn't do anything for me. Yeah, I just uh, wanted a little more out of it. I I want to care. I want to I want him to. I want to know why he's going to be an asshole. Like, give me a little more. Like, I did like some of the small little things he did. Like, I liked the fact that he um he's not doing like the arms out thing with the crowd anymore, and he was doing like the 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 bullet club guns and shit like that. So. He did a couple little things good, and like I think he overall was good. It's just that the promo lacked a depth that made me want to care about him. Look, Bowler's a great heel, and his mannerisms are very good. He understands how to be a heel. I think he came off like the WWE backstage interview. It was nothing, but I thought he actually came off pretty well on it, of like teasing a little of. You know, everyone's talking about me now. Back in NXT, like, this is Broadway. This is where I want to be. I think that line is whatever. But, you know, you've seen my work. Like, the prince is back. That's what I'll say. I think that stuff is is fine. It's just, I don't know if he scripted, the verbiage, whatever it was. It just, what he said didn't work. It has nothing to do with, I thought his delivery was good. Again, I thought his mannerisms were good. Just the, the, words he was given to say or the words he came up with were not good yeah so we moved on to our next match bronson reed uh the big hoss defeated shane thorne just over four minutes i thought it was a good fun hard-hitting little sprint of a match i uh, got bronson reed on the winning track uh, i enjoyed this yeah it, it was fine bronson reed wins and you know for a five-minute match like they they did Everything you could ask for them. Uh, Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai hyped their tag title match. Uh, we got a Mia Yim video package. And then we got the Kabuki Warriors versus Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. Kabuki Warriors retained at 17.05. Jeremy, your thoughts? Good match. I, I'm glad they got a lot of time because they, I mean, the women kind of stole, stole this show and, and we'll talk about that more in a second, but they, they got a lot of time to deliver in, in this tag team match and Asuka and Kyrie, Kyrie Sane looked super comfortable being there. They, I'm sure they enjoyed that they weren't wrestling three minute matches on Raw or SmackDown or brand they're on now. And, you know, they got a lot of time um to to work here and dakota kai and tegan knox they work well together and 
there was no real possibility of a title change, but I thought they, you know, the full cell crowd is heavily invested in a lot of these people. And so they, they were into this, which obviously helped it as well. Uh, yeah, my first thought was uh, Kyrie Zane and Oscar must have loved being back in NXT and getting time to actually deliver in a match. Um, like you said, not working like three minute garbage stuff. They got 17 minutes here. Thought the match was really good. Obviously, got plenty of time. Um, thought the heat segment was done really well. And I thought even at the end, like you said, there was almost no chance of a title change. But I thought that they gave us a solid tease of new champions. And a lot of that was due to the quality of work and the crowd being so into it. So I very much enjoyed this. Yeah, great match. And then we got the big post-match angle. Uh, Shayna Baszler, Justin Duke, and Miranda Shafir all walked out. Uh, they ended up beating up the uh, losers there. And uh, Rhea Ripley arrived to make the save, but she was attacked by Io Shirai. They brought until Bianca Belair came out and she attacked Rhea Ripley. Candice LeRae made the save. We had mass brawling with everybody involved. Security tried to separate them. And then NXT Angry Dad William Regal arrived. And he said he had a simple solution to all this bullshit. We're getting war games, Jeremy. Crowd went crazy for the war games, too. They yes, they, they loved this it. announcement. Yeah. Yeah. And I I like I'm happy for them it, it makes sense they, like this really shows just the depth of this women's roster too that you can do a four on four i think it's going to end up being five on five with mia yim thrown in the mix in there and like all of these women outside of i guess shafir and duke like they've been featured on tv for seemingly every single week like they have long-term storylines like it makes a a lot of sense and, and jessamine uh, Duke and Marina Shafir have been featured, just not so much in a wrestling capacity. Like they just lost to Knox and Kai in a short match last week. Anyway, you've got these 10 women who like, they all have, you know, definable traits and have been featured on television. And now they're going to get a chance to, to go out there in, in war games. And I know like the he's going to be, he's going to like tout, like making history and all this bullshit, but this much like Charlotte and, and Sasha and much like the WrestleMania event, the WrestleMania main event, it, it is making history, but it's also like justified. It's, they're not just doing it so they can say we're making history. Like it makes sense for how the story has unfolded. Exactly. Yeah. Don't beat me over the head with the history bullshit is all I ask. Because that's that's what pisses me off. I know it's history. I'm very happy for them. But when you beat me over the head with it, it just pisses me off. Uh, I thought the War Games thing came up. It was somewhat unexpected. But then when you really think about it, they have really laid the groundwork for this match over the last few weeks with intertwining all of these women together in various ways. So I thought that when when you take that into consideration, I thought it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I thought it came off like a really hot angle, though, because as you mentioned, the crowd fucking loved this announcement. Yeah, the crowd, like, the crowd went crazy for this. And, I mean, most of these women are over. I, I think, I'm trying to think, like, who isn't over? And the Shafir and Duke would be the two yeah, that's who stand it. out. But... Even they're attached to Baszler, so they have some type of overness. They, like they get a little residual other... heat, but they're not like it's not like people right. hate them. 
but everybody right. else involved. I mean, if you're going to have 10 women, if you have, you know, worst case scenario, you have eight that are over to varying degrees. So it's like, you're okay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, but yeah, big, big deal. Like I said, came off as a hot angle. So, uh, good stuff. We went back to the ring. Cameron Grimes ended up defeating Tyler Bate just under 10 minutes via pin. Thought it was uh, very good. Could have done without the cliche distraction finish by Killian Dane. But I thought the match was really good. Featured a nice mix of power and speed. I love seeing um, Cameron Grimes getting to deliver on TV because he had such a flat and forgettable run in TNA or Impact or whatever it was when he was there. And it just, it was so frustrating because the guy's really good. And he never really got to open up and show that when he was there. So he's getting some time to shine here. Obviously, Tyler Bates, really good. Uh, unfortunately for him, being good didn't matter because Killian Dane beat the shit out of him post-match to send a message to Pete Dunne. Yeah, um, good good match. I like Cameron Grimes as well, and I'm glad he's getting a chance to shine. Tyler, Tyler Bates is obviously awesome. And yeah, Killian Dane and... I guess at some point we're going to get kind of done and in bait against Dane and, and Damian Priest and, you know, maybe Trent Seven will show up and I don't know who uh, Killian Dane and Damian Priest get on their side. Who fits with that? I guess Cameron Grimes can be in that group. Like, that. that's fine. Like, that's a cool trios match. Sure. Be good. Everybody in that match is good, so. Yeah. And then we finished up with our main event, Jeremy. The Undisputed Era... Defeated Matt Riddle and Keith Lee in fourteen twenty via pin. Your thoughts? And you put these four guys in a ring together, and it's not going to be a bad match. And it certainly wasn't. It was another distraction thing with Adam Cole coming out, and like I could have lived with all of that stuff. But for for the match, like it made sense. And I the the problem was don't do it in the match before exactly. if you're going to do it here. Yeah, that's my and that like. Yeah, like if you're going to do it, fine. Do it in the opener. Do it somewhere else. Don't do it in the, the match before. Like I – this has been the pattern with Undisputed Era and it's fine. I get it. Like they are – like they have the power and the numbers and so they should be doing this stuff. You run the risk of it becoming Bullet Club-ish where they're just doing it every single match and, you know, it's not overdone to the point of a Bullet Club thing. It's just a quick little distraction. Maybe they get taken out, but it leads to the finish. Bullet Club is just kind of like drawn out nonsense. Um, and, and so – that that can come off like you, you can't do it too much. Uh, but as far as the actual match goes, like it was great. Yeah, really enjoyed this match. Thought it was the best one on the show. Uh, I think they definitely have a better one in them because it kind of felt like the first chapter in a longer story, which kind of is going to be told now because we had the post match angle. And to to go back to the distraction finish thing is it it annoyed me because they did it in the previous match because you could have had Grimes just. Win using the ropes, pulling the tights, do something shitty heelish, and then Killian Dane can still beat the shit out of Tyler Bate afterwards. You didn't need it in that match. I can accept it in this match because it led to the post match, which was undisputed error using the numbers gained to beat down Keith Lee and Matt Riddle until Tommaso Ciampa made the save. Uh, they made the comeback. They sent them uh, packing, and it appears we're getting war games because. Tommaso Ciampa picked up the belt and said, Goldie, you're going to have to wait. Daddy's going to war. So it looks like we're getting two war games matches, Jeremy, at TakeOver. 
I'm fine with that. Um, the war games make sense for for this as well. Who will be the fourth man for Champa, Lee, and Riddle? Do you have any guesses? Um, they could do Dajakovic if Velveteen Dream is healthy. They could put him in. Is that a no? Uh, it's. I'm guessing. I don't know. I'm sorry. I didn't get the booking sheet, Jeremy. WWE does not pay me. To say that again, I lost you for a second. <laughs> no, I said. Um, I said it could be Dijakovic. Um, or they could. It could be Dream if he's healthy to come back. And then I jokingly said, "But I don't know because I don't have the booking sheet because WWE doesn't pay me." Oh, all right. Well, yeah, I think if Dream is healthy, he makes the most, most sense. If he's not healthy, then Dijakovic. Um, I don't think it's gonna happen now. Jordan Miles would have made sense because he had the match with Adam Cole. They'd been kind of teasing him and Keith Lee sort of partnership, but that's probably not happening. Uh, yeah, I don't think Jordan's getting any paydays <laughs> coming up here. Uh, I mean, it'd be like, hey, they they'd get people talking i think at least a section of the audience that follows this stuff on social media so yeah i but i i don't know about that i, I think dream is the the best bet maybe you know maybe we see i'm trying to think of who undisputed era has like taken out in the past maybe drew mcintyre comes back not like he's really doing anything on the main roster <laughs> It'd be weird for him to come back and be sort of a baby face, but you know, that's how Undisputed Era was formed, taking out Drew McIntyre. Pete Dunne could could make some sense. I know he's doing something else, but yeah, they they got options. Certainly. The the one thing for me that was like so glaring on this show was how much fucking better the NXT women are, not only booked but in the ring right now than the main roster women quote-unquote main roster. I know you're not supposed to say that. That's bad word, Triple H said. I mean, the women... The women have always been booked better on NXT. Like, the women booking in NXT is why the the main roster women exist. Like, w- without... You know, you can say give divas a chance and all this nonsense, but really without, like, the four horsewomen in NXT proving that they can main event proving that they can go in the ring, then who knows where the, the main roster women would be. So the, throughout history, the, the NXT women have been booked better. Yeah. But I mean, they just, they, they were the highlight of the show overall tonight. Uh, two good matches, the big war games angle, just really good stuff from them tonight. So that was cool to see. Yeah. Agreed. I, I this was a another good show. So Jeremy, it is comparison time. Uh and the who won the week time, I will go to you first. Oh, this one's tough. I I don't know. They were very equal in that I'm going to I'm going to go with AEW but sticking with my rule of kind of Best match, best moments, and I, I think the the tag team match. No match stood out as like, 
hey, this is a match I... Like, there was obviously really good matches on, on both shows, but I, I can't... Like, there was no, like, private party Young Bucks match or, you know, everything from the TakeOver uh, special that NXT had uh, during during their debut and everything. Um, or even, like, last week with uh, Lee, Dajakovic, and, and Strong. Like, there was great matches, but no matches where I'm like, yeah, that like, that match just stood out above everything else. Like, there was no match for that for me for this week. But AEW had the, the better moments with the Cody Jericho angle and, and the Moxley promo. And so if the wrestling is kind of a wash, which I think it was this week, I will go moments. And man, but NXT had the women's moment. I, I'm going to stick with AEW. That's what my gut told me. But both were both were really good. Both both both. Yeah, both were good and did did a lot of good stuff. I uh, it was for me. It's super close. I I ended up giving both shows the same score. Looking back at Dynamite, you got. I thought it was a great show. They had a great crowd again. I felt that they did a lot of good work because they got Adam Page back on track with a win. He felt like a star tonight. They comp- They continued building to the Bucks and Santana and Ortiz really well. And I'm trying not to sneeze, but I'm going to any second now. Maybe not. Bless you in advance. Uh, Anyway, I I thought Omega looked really good in the ring tonight. I thought the Cody Jericho contract signing uh, delivered. The Moxley promo was great. Uh, You you got Hikaru Shida back on TV, who I love. And just uh, a lot of very good to great wrestling overall. And you crowned uh, new tag team champions in a show that, again, just flew by. So I really enjoyed AEW tonight. And then NXT... As I'm waiting for my fucking window to open, my computer's gonna be a piece of shit now, but that's okay. I'll just fan for time here. It'll eventually work. Uh, NXT, I thought overall was also a really good show, bordering on great show. I, again, give the same score. I thought the you know the women were the big thing tonight. Very good wrestling matches, outshining the main roster with ease. We set up two War Games matches. Uh, we're continuing uh, Dunn and Dane. Uh, we're setting up... We have Dunn and Priest next week. Uh, and NXT, I felt, was, again, another easy watch, just like AEW. I thought the show flew by. Bottom line, I love Wednesday nights. I gave them the same score. I think if I had to pick one, I would probably pick AEW because, again, I think it's just... I think the uh, the Jericho and uh, Moxley stuff kind of helped put it over the top. But again, I thought NXT was really, really great as well. Um, I think it's important, too, that, to see how much the women have been delivering on that show. And um, I think that's really important because, God, I would really love to see that happen on the goddamn main roster at some point. You get those flashes of greatness sometimes, but it's never sustained for any amount of time, which is so sad. We're getting Lacey Evans and Natalia for the first ever women's match in Saudi Arabia. What are you talking about? Stephanie McMahon has brought peace to the Middle East. She has, you know, everything women she invented. Uh, I mean, listen, I, I shit on the Saudi show. I don't like it at all. I'm sure this is, for Natty especially, a huge deal because she's put in so much time over the years. She's been a good soldier. 
And so I'm not going to shit on it for like that. I mean, I'm very happy for them. Her and Lacey seem very happy. And if it gets more women's matches on the show in the future, good. But um, I also think that like we're getting a lot of pats on the back all of a sudden. You know, it's like, oh, well, they've been trying for this since the beginning. Meanwhile, Stephanie, you know, she's out there fucking doing interviews like, well, we didn't want to focus on Evolution 2 or the Mae Young Classic because we were focused on getting this one match on the show. Translation, the Mae Young Classic and Evolution 2 doesn't make us $50 million in one shot. It's really, I mean, it's obviously they did it because it's complete you know, goodwill and whatnot, and they can pump this headline and distract from the fact that they're going to Saudi Arabia in the, in the first place. I, you know, saying that, oh, we wanted to focus on this and not evolution Two. how much focus on this did you really need to do? You ask and they either say yes or they say no. Like, you're not there begging for these women to be on there to try to piss these people off by asking for too much because then they're going to behead you or some shit. Like, you, you, it's a yes or no question. That's your focus. And you really could have built up even more goodwill if you were just like, hey, SmackDown on Friday, instead of flying all these people back and delivering, that SmackDown show is going to be absolutely dead by the way these guys after a 17 hour flight you think they're working hard on that smackdown show i don't think so uh you could have just had like an all women smackdown show well because you split the rosters i know that makes it a little bit tougher you still could have delivered something there and and you know what if you announce that you you're doing this all women smackdown show prior to the draft like then it's more forgivable anyway like okay we know this is a one-off kind of special and then you build up even more goodwill like you can still do your first ever women's match in saudi and then hey the next night we're doing an all-women show on fox like how big is this and instead the they do this like this company sometimes just can't get out of their own way but they're going to get that this is hope chant or some shit that Stephanie McMahon's going to repeat a million times over the next couple of years because I'm still hearing about the this is hope chant in Abu Dhabi. Did you know they chanted this is hope for Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks? I've heard that before, Jeremy. And it, uh, yeah, I think that you need to slow your roll because Stephanie McMahon has probably ended the war in the Middle East due to all this. I hope so. They're rioting in uh, Lebanon right now, according to my good friend Sam Katie. So maybe they need to go to Lebanon and hold a women's match there so they can calm down those riots. Oh, they need to do something. Just get Stephanie on the case. She'll fix it all. Yeah, she fixes everything. Anything women's rights, uh, Stephanie, there's Harriet Tubman and there's uh, Stephanie McMahon. That's and right. Rosa Parks. She's going to be up there with Maya Angelou, who's a great poet of our time, talking about uh, you know, give them hope and all this shit. Yeah. Can't wait. Mount Rushmore of women's rights, Stephanie McMahon. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I, yeah, you can tell our excitement for the Saudi show tomorrow. Yeah, we're not even previewing it. That's like, I'm fine with that. It's a stupid we show have better where shit to nothing matters. We have MLW to talk about. MLW is a good show. Can we talk about the Nate Diaz fight? That's better than all this shit. We can talk about that when we do our closing. That'd be fine. 
Okay, let's talk about MLW. We've got some names to drop. MLW Saturday night super fight taking place Saturday night. Uh, Sierra Stadium in Chicago, a venue they've done very well in. Um, so basically, MLW, you know, they came back out of extinction, started running some online shows, and then Court Bauer decided he was going to make a run of it. They got the deal on being sports. Uh, they've been doing really well uh, attendance wise. Um, selling a couple thousand seats here and there in places like Chicago. They did uh, 5,000 seats with the crash in Mexico. And uh, MLW has been a overly, generally over a fun product. I generally enjoy it most times. I think they put on some good shows. They have a fun mix of talent. And they're going to hit pay-per-view Saturday night. Low price of $20. It's probably going to be about a four-hour pay-per-view with the one-hour pre-show. We start off, Jeremy, with the pre-show match. Contra Unit, Simon Gotch, who apparently blocked me on Twitter, and uh, Hiroshi Kwan, or whatever the fuck his name is, versus Douglas James and Dominic Greeny versus the Spirit Squad. Um, Contra Unit wins. They're not putting the Spirit Squad over. Yeah, I figured they're here to do the job. Contra Unit probably wins, which will play into my booking later on in the show. Uh, Hio del okay. LA Park... Versus Zenshi. Another pre-show match. The, the, the LA Park Sun wins. Yeah, the uh, the dead skeleton shall win. I agree with that. Uh, should be fine. Uh, Heo to LA Park is uh, a lot of fun. Zenshi is fun. He's a little flippy baby face, but he, uh, while he has potential, he's not a very clean worker yet. So, Savio Vega on the pre-show versus Leo Bryan, who's now back as a singles wrestler and bounty hunter. I hope he beats Savio Vega. Put over the new talent. You don't need Savio Vega winning in 2019. Exactly. I have no problem with Savio coming in, doing some agent work, and uh, putting guys over, so he should do that here because they just brought Leo Bryan back. He has like one TV win. It would be really dumb to have him lose already. And then uh, we close out the pre-show with Gino Medina making his debut versus Airwolf. Uh, Medina is going to win since they're pushing him kind of strong, I guess. And, you know, losing your debut match is rarely a good look. It tells the crowd that you shouldn't care about this guy. Uh, my thoughts exactly. Airwolf has been a ton of fun in MLW. So I uh, haven't seen much of Medina at all, so I don't know quite what to expect from this. But uh, probably should be at least, at the very least, okay. We head to the main card now, Jeremy. We have uh, Injustice, Koto Brazil, Jordan Oliver, and Myron Reed facing off with Gringo Logo, Septimo Dragon, and Puma King. Uh, I like it. Go oh, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, the, the, the theme of this is Injustice versus Gringo Loco and Friends has been going on for months. and It's kind of like the Shield versus Daniel Bryan and Friends, but it's like the non-union equivalent. Um, and Injustice pretty much has won most of the time. So Gringo Loco keeps kind of rotating partners. Uh, Injustice are a bunch of shitty little douchebag heels. Uh, the whole thing is the world is against them, MLW is against them, and they won't be silenced anymore. So um, should be a fun match. MLW loves Gringo Loco, but his team isn't exactly a unified force. They're thrown together for the first time. They seem pretty behind Injustice, so I think they will win. 
Yeah, I think they're behind Injustice as well, and it would make sense to to have them win. I always prefer when like groups like this beat thrown together teams because that's kind of how it should go the majority of the time. And yeah, they're I like Injustice. I I think they're a good act, and they they have the defined kind kind of stable. So I like them. Next up, Low Key faces off with Brian Pillman Jr. There's not a deep story to this one. Basically, Loki tried to offer Pillman some advice. Brian Pillman Jr. is a fucking punk. That's he, the story. He is. I was going to say, Pillman refused and then mocked Loki. He was sitting by a pool talking to a chick and was all talking in a low-key voice to make fun of him. And Loki did not appreciate this disrespect, so that's why we have a match. Uh, Key is a former MLW world champion. He's way higher up on the pecking order than Pillman. And the story with Pillman is that He's young, he works really hard, has approved a lot, and has a lot of potential, but he constantly loses at all of his big matches. Anytime he's had a big chance to step up or a title opportunity, always loses. So the eventual story is going to be Pillman picking up his first major singles win, but I don't know if it's going to be here and against Low Key because MLW's been... They've been invested in Pillman and bringing him along, and you can make the argument to do it here on pay-per-view, but they also have middleweight title pitcher plans for Loki and Loki is still a guy that delivers for them and despite his um his past issues he's been on good behavior for the company I kind of think they should go with Pillman but um Loki doesn't always do what's best for business and he may work his way into getting a win here I think I think Pillman is going to win. Pillman needs a victory. Oh, he right does. Low key. I agree. I think he should win. I just, I'm not sure. Yeah, low key. Like he's fine. You can beat him. And Pillman. The the thing is, is like I don't know the story that they're telling with Pillman because on one hand, all right, if he wins, it's like all right, he he. That's why he's disrespectful and cocky. And if he loses, you can keep kind of telling that story of you don't need to be this disrespectful and cocky. Like you haven't accomplished anything. So this, I think the story works either way. I I think for Pillman, it works better if he wins. He definitely needs a win bad. So again, that's why I said you can certainly make the argument. I wouldn't. I I don't think him winning is bad at all. I just I'm not sure. It feels like they want to do more with Loki still, so I'm just not sure what will happen. Uh, next up, Timothy Thatcher versus Filthy Tom Lawler. Jeremy, your thoughts? Looking forward to this match. Thatcher and Lawler, they're going to work their MMA-style kind of match. It'll probably be really good because both guys are good. And I don't I don't think, like, Thatcher's not a regular, I don't think. He still works for a bunch of different companies. Lawler's more of a regular, so I figure Lawler will get the victory. Yeah, uh, Thatcher's been working more regularly for them and looks to be going forward. Excuse me. Okay. Um, but the, it's going to be really interesting for me who does win here because there have been rumblings that Filthy Tom may not be long for MLW, that other places are interested in him. And, you know, MLW's been good to him and everything, so it just depends on what he wants to do, uh, how much money he's being offered, I suppose, and all that. So... If he loses here, I think there's a chance he could be finishing up. Uh, would obviously be a big win for Thatcher because Lawler is a former MLW champion. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a fun grappling-based match, MMA-styled. And uh, it uh, when, when Lawler gets to work that with somebody that also shares in that style, he really delivers. 
So I, I'm looking forward to this. Hopefully it has like a a, a blood sport feel to it. I, I feel like it will. I think it'll be... I mean, a lot of Tom Lawler matches are like that because anytime you bring in an MMA guy, like that's sort of the, the style they work. Um, and Lawler is, is really no exception. And when he gets a guy like timothy thatcher who can hang with that kind of style then that's you know, that's how you make the best of both guys skills next up shit's gonna get crazy jeremy stairway to hell ladder match jimmy havoc bestia say 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 and mance warner i i don't like i guess they added bestia to give the to add some drama because if it's just Mance against Jimmy Havoc, we know Mance is winning. I still think Mance is winning regardless. Um, but I kind of just like the, the Jimmy Havoc versus Mance Warner match. I didn't really need Bestia. Either way, yeah, as you said, it's going to get nuts. I like the stairway to hell concept. It's it's a little like – it's a ladder match and then you get barbed wire. So it's almost convoluted in that. Like just bring barbed wire and use that – use it that way. But it'll it'll be nuts. Jimmy Havoc will try to kill himself for the last time since he's – I don't think he's much longer for MLW considering he's going to be with – he's with AEW. And Mance Warner, uh, he seems more long-term in, in Bestia. I mean he's a – I guess he's a crash guy and I don't know how often he's going to be used. But – They'll bleed. They'll they'll take crazy bumps. It, it, the crowd will love it. Yeah, and uh, to to Jeremy's point, this started off it was one on one because the story is Mance Warner stole L.A. Park's golden ticket, which you get for winning Battle Riot to guarantee your title shot. This led to him uh, feuding with uh, Promociones Dorado. He kept be- basically beating everybody and keeping the golden ticket until they got it back. That transitioned to him versus Havoc feuding. They had a bunkhouse match. Mance Warner won, but Havoc was an asshole. Attacked him afterwards, busted him open with barbed wire. So that was the setup for this. Was all good with that. And now they're adding base DSA says because the story is he's been added to the match because he's looking for revenge because Jimmy Havoc assaulted his father, Damien says on Fusion last week. So he is now in the match to get revenge. The uh, the deck is stacked against Old Mancer because both uh, guys are Promotiones Dorado with Selena De La Renta pulling the strings. But I think for me it makes the most sense for Mance Warner to win because they seem to really love the Old Mancer. And Jeremy, if we know one thing in life, anybody that comes out of a fucking box is over. Yeah, so, that's, that's the rule. I like Mance. Uh, I know, he's fucking great. Yeah, he's he knows his he knows his gimmick very well, cuts a good promo, and like this is his kind of style of match. And it's Jimmy Havoc's kind of style of match too. This is the matches he should be doing. Yeah, I mean you don't want Jimmy Gra- Havoc in a fucking grappling contest. You you want him in this kind of shit, so best use for him on this pay per view. We head to title action finally, Jeremy. The MOW tag team titles in a tornado tag team match. The dynasty of MJF and Richard Holiday facing off with Ross and Marshall Von Erich. I spoke to Richard Holiday 
last week. That's my name drop. Uh, I'm looking forward to this match. Because MJF doesn't seem too long for MLW, I would venture to say that the Von Erichs will win this match. And like that's fine. But the Dynasty as a trio are so good. And I think this is the shame that MJF is will probably be finishing up soon. Like the, the three of them work so well together that whoever they groom as the replacement, I don't know who it's going to be, but it seems like it, the big debut could be coming at this pay-per-view. Uh, I don't know if it's going to have that that same dynamic, but we'll see depending on who it actually is. Should be fine. Like MJF and Richard Holiday are, are good in the ring. They're not, they, they wrestle in old school style and the Von Erics are kind of the same way, but MJF and Richard Holiday will be hated in Chicago. Von Erics won't be like, texas loved but but they'll be over and i think the crowd will carry when maybe the in-ring action might fail a little bit but i'll go with the von erics number one court bauer keeps saying that everything is hunky-dory and his guys are going to keep working both companies i'm not buying that yeah i don't know richard holiday told me that when MJF is in MLW, he is 100% in MLW. I, I don't know if that if that's really going to happen because we know AEW sees big things in MJF, and I don't think they want him. Not that MLW runs a touring schedule or anything, but they're a competitor to AEW. Like they're running a pay per view. They have weekly television. It's not on a big cable network, but it's weekly television. It's on, you know, they put their shows up on YouTube. And you can't risk a guy like MJF suffering any kind of like injury or thing, something like that in, in a, you know, in an independent ring, in a different ring than AEW. So I, I just don't think that that's going to happen. Number two, did you ask Richard about his lawyer slash father and is he doing okay? Look, I asked about his, depending on the situation, it's his father slash lawyer. I found that out. It's not always lawyer slash father. We talked about coffee. We talked about the yacht. I got the full details on the yacht, Larry. Full details. Can't wait. The, the conversation with Richard Holiday was was very good. I have one article up on him right now. You can go to Fightful.com and check that out. The second one, the this one, the first one was talking about the match with the, the Von Erichs and MJF and stuff. The second one I'm more excited about because that's the one with the coffee, the yacht, whether Alex Hammerstone is on the juice. Yeah, we talked about that. So I got, I got the details. That one's going up on Friday. So if you go there... Go to Fightful.com, and 411 Mania will run it as well. But Richard Holiday, great, great guy, Richard Holiday. Fantastic. Can't wait to check those out. Uh, so as far as the feud goes, basically you had the Dynasty feuded with the Hart Foundation for a long time. They had a really good and fun feud. The Dynasty finally won the tag titles. And they have been the smuggest assholes on the planet, and I mean that as a compliment. They are so great in their roles. Um the Von Erics arrived. They aligned with Tom Lawler early on, battling with Contra. They won the War Chamber match. For me, the Von Erics are like a story of unrealized potential. They've they've been working for seven years, but they've only had like a hundred matches. 
Um, they, there was WWE interest at one point, but then they never got signed. They worked for Noah. They did some TNA appearances, and they finally landed in MLW. And they kind of finally feel like they found a good landing place because MLW's booked them smartly so far. And while they've never wowed me, I think they've done well. Uh, they've been undefeated. They've been protected. Um, I think that, you know, I think Court sees a lot in these guys and wants to push them, especially after the uh, Texas States. Uh, they, the Texas State they did sold well, and then they, uh, they're already going back. So I do think we see new tag team champions here and that uh, the uh, Von Eriks will feud with Contra because I have Contra winning in that pre-show match. They'll con- continue that feud. Hello. Yeah, oh, okay. I, that makes that makes sense, and I think the Von Erics are, are winning as well, and then feuding with uh, Contra. Okay. Scared me. I thought you got dropped, man. You can't do that to me. No, I apologize. I muted my microphone. Okay, fair enough. Forgot to unmute. Uh, we continue on with the championship matches. Openweight champion Alexander Hammerstone, who may or may not be on the juice, versus he is <laughs> versus Davy Boy Smith Jr. Jeremy. Uh, Hammerstone is the first ever MLW Openweight Champion. He defeated Brian Pillman Jr., the loser, in the tournament final to claim the championship. Uh, He's been good so far. He's a fun part of the Dynasty. I think he has a ton of potential still. And um, the the Dynasty is feuded on and off here with the Hart Foundation for what seems like forever in a good way because it's been really enjoyable. The basic build to this match has been about, uh, not so much about the championship, but it's been implied on TV that Hammerstone has been banging uh, Dave Boy Smith's sister. And that did not make Dave Boy Smith Jr. very happy. Uh, Smith has shined a lot of times here in his single performances. He's a guy desperate to prove himself in that regard. Uh, it may be a rough night for the Dynasty, Jeremy, because I think Davy Boy Smith is going to take the title here. I think Davy Boy Smith will take the title as well i wonder if this is when the new dynasty member debuts because having the dynasty lose all the titles i mean it, it makes sense especially if mjf is, is leaving but i like that group works better if like just somebody has the title and i mean alex hammerstone's on the juice he should be able to beat davy boy smith but davy's boy smith is in mlw for the for the long haul and i i this one's a, a coin toss to me honestly i'm i'm gonna go with alex hammerstone actually fair enough i do think it is kind of a coin flip i think davy wins but uh you can definitely make the argument for hammerstone uh we move on to the middleweight title match champion teddy hart defending against austin aries this is a match um of wrestling's problem children i mean Teddy Hart has been defined by his problems throughout the years. He had shots with ROH, WWE, TNA, many other places, but they were various times ruined by his attitude issues and later in life legal problems. I mean, don't get me wrong, Teddy Hart, still insanely talented, but his issues have far outweighed any aspect of success in his career because that's pretty much all people talk about. And then you have somebody kind of similar in Austin Aries, a man who's really talented, but unfortunately I think more relate to him as being a problematic asshole for the promotions he worked for than a great wrestler. He had a really good career resurgence in TNA, later returned with Impact, was a world champion. 
did really good stuff there, and then he had that whole deal where he lost the title to Johnny Impact and no sold to finish, quote-unquote, went in the business for himself. They played it off like it was no big deal and he was going to return, but he never did. The good news for MLW is that Teddy Hart's been a model employee so far for them. He hasn't really had any problems. Austin Aries has done well. Court Bauer has somehow managed to keep Teddy Hart, Austin Aries, Loki, and L.A. Park fucking happy. I have no clue how he's done this. Um, I, I've enjoyed Hart and uh, MLW a lot. Aries can still go when he wants to. Um, so basically, he cost the Hart Foundation the tag titles when he gave uh, Teddy Hart a brain buster on the apron, setting up this match. Uh, this has potential to be really good. Could be even great if both guys are on, Jeremy. I think MLW is making a lot of moves on this show, and I think Austin Aries wins the title. I think Austin Aries is going to win the title as well. They seem to... This is, as you said, it's two guys who maybe should have been bigger than they actually were or are because of just attitude issues. Like, Teddy Hart should have been a pretty big star because he had... He was one of the the first like big indie guys with, with his flipping like much like Jack Evans like he was cut from that same cloth of man this guy could just do everything like his, his athletic style is gonna get over anywhere and because of attitude issues it just didn't happen and Austin Aries the same way it's like this guy can cut a promo he wrestles well but attitude issues just prevented him from from reaching the uh, I mean he was on WrestleMania pre-show so that's something uh, but like attitude issues just prevented him from reaching a higher level and you know now they're going to clash it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing for fans who kind of know all that behind the scenes stuff but as far as match goes it could be great if they are both on and they do both care i think austin aries will uh, get the victory though and now we move on to the main event of the evening jeremy the mlw world title match no disqualification Champion Jacob Fatu of uh, Contra Unit versus L.A. Park from Promociones Dorados. Jeremy, your thoughts first. I it's a weird match. Like I understand that L.A. Park is like a star and he's he's done well in MLW, but it's also it's, it's like okay, it's La Parka from WCW. It feels weird that he's like headlining a a pretty big show in 2019 and but it you know it works he's over in mlw crowd loves him it just it feels kind of weird um jacob fatu he's awesome he like all the potential in the world and i don't know how much longer he'll be sticking around mlw like i don't know what his contract is but once it's up the guy's gonna be getting plenty of offers i think fatu wins it's too early to take the title off of him and if la like la park again good to have good on the roster is is over um but world champion i i don't think he should be your world champion yeah you know many are wondering why 50 plus year old la park is the challenger here i mean he won the battle riot to earn his title shot number one the dude is a legend he can still go when he wants to and, and, you know, he's proven over the past couple of years that he is still a big draw. He's done big gates in Mexico. He's helped MLW draw big houses, especially in the big Hispanic markets like Chicago. I'll freely admit that Park has been very, very hit and miss in the ring throughout 2019 in MLW. 
He works hard when he wants to, but when he doesn't, he gets by on name value and charisma alone. Um, and you know, you see that a lot sometimes in older wrestlers. Uh, but m- again, much like Teddy Hart, Court Bauer has somehow seemed to to make it work with him. And again, I th- I also feel that in many ways, Court Bauer sees L.A. Park as his Terry Funk in ECW. He's a legend that has some name value. He's been a draw. And he's trying to use him for that. So I don't have a problem with that. Uh, Jacob Fatu has been getting tons of positive reviews prior to even signing with MLW. Uh, there's been rumors of interest interest from WWE and other promotions. He kind of hit MLW by storm. Was fucking wrecking people. Beat Tom Lawler for the title. The no DQ stipulation is kind of a catch-22. Because it'll play well into the strengths of L.A. Park and it'll give some smoke and mirrors to cover up for some of his weaknesses. But it also allows for Contra and Promotionis Dorados to get likely very heavily involved, which could obviously take away from the match, as we've seen with like all the Bullet Club bullshit over time. Hopefully I'm wrong there. Park is a legend. He is a draw. I can see the appeal of strapping him up here for Court Bauer. But... Jacob Fatu is a young up-and-comer who is constantly improving, has unlimited potential, and feels like the kind of talent you need to be building around in 2019. It may not be easy, the match may not be pretty, but Joseph Jacob Fatu should win, and that's my pick. Yeah, I'm going with Fatu as well, and it is a weird main event because L.A. Park... He's not bad, but he's also – I don't feel like he's someone who should be like main eventing your first big pay-per-view because he can't go like super long. If he does, the thing might start to, to fall apart. At least they are going to do probably some smoke and mirror stuff, so that will be good. It's, it's a weird main event though. Like L.A. Park in 2019, La Parca is in the main event. It's not like it's Chris Jericho. Who it's are you to doubt the chairman? Look, I love La Parca. I love L.A. Park, but it's La Parca. Again, it's not. It's, it's, it's not a like weird he's... fucking match. But like I said, I think Court Bauer sees him as his Terry Funk in ECW. Sure, but Terry Funk was, you know, I know Terry over. Funk was fucking Terry Funk. <laughs> yeah, Terry Funk was a legitimate legend in the United States. Like La Parca might be a, a legend in in Mexico. Like this isn't. Mexico, despite MLW having very serious like lucha uh, ties and everything, and using a lot of the the lucha guys, like this isn't Mexico. Like I, the, I don't disagree of... with you, but the thing is, in Chicago, the luchadors are always over huge. Yeah, he's gonna feel like a star at least on the pay per view. So, but I'm, I I don't disagree with you at all. It is such a strange thing to book, but I mean, he's looking at guys that have drew him money so far. And Park is like one of the few guys that has actually drew houses for them and made the money. And he's, I think he's hoping for a combination of that, the Hispanic fan base and nostalgia viewers to get them pay-per-view buys. Whether it works or not, Jeremy, I can't tell you if it will or not, but I think that's what they're going for. We'll, we'll see. Like, I don't know what kind of, like Court Bauer tweeted that the, pre-buys on fight tv are really good like okay we'll we'll see what the hell that means um i don't know if fight tv is ever going to release like numbers and pay-per-view nowadays it's tough to put any stock into what it is because 
and you get it on Fight TV. You can illegally stream it. Don't do that, everybody. Pay for it. I think it's on like actual pay-per-view, so you can get it through that way. It's just tough to really narrow down like what these numbers are going to be like. They're going to sell at Chicago if they haven't sold out already, so so that's a good sign. But as far as like pay-per-view numbers go, it, it's tough to really say like who is an actual draw in wrestling right now. We've had this discussion before, and it's just it, it's tough to really say that because there's just so many different measurables nowadays compared to back in the day when it's like, all right, is the is the building full? What's the ratings? What's the pay-per-view numbers? Like that's all that mattered back in the day. Now there's like so many other measurables to where it's like, okay, did now this stuff matters and so many other different factors. So, and we'll 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 see what the pay-per-view is. I'm sure it'll do fine. It'll do more than the uh, the AAA show. If you listen to certain people, Jeremy, YouTube numbers are the end-all, be-all because Bobby Lashley and Lana and Rusev is a hot angle. Look, I think that angle is hilarious, and I thought Lana's promo was honestly outstanding. Uh, But WWE could just, I mean, look what the Alexa Bliss YouTube numbers did when she was topless for that one thing. Like, that meant absolutely nothing, and yet it did gangbusters on YouTube because literally YouTube is just a bunch of horny guys who haven't discovered Pornhub yet. There you go. So that is the MLW preview. Uh, Jeremy and I will be back. I'll let you talk Nick Diaz in a minute. But I just want to remind everybody, we will be back on Sunday. We're going to break down the uh, the Saudi Money Show. We'll talk the MLW pay-per-view. And we'll talk a little uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling power struggle. So, Jeremy, big MMA fight this weekend. Talk about it. Yeah, the baddest motherfucker in the game title is on the line. The Rock's going to be there. The Rock is going to be there, Larry. He turned down the Saudi money to go to New York to present Nick Nate Diaz or Jorge Masvidal with this title. And he's going to make some big announcement. I don't know what it is. It'll probably be like his next fucking movie or some shit. Um, the, but the, I can't wait for this show. It's awesome. Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz rules. Nate Diaz says nothing that you can comprehend, and yet he's fascinating to to listen to. He did like an hour-long interview, and I didn't understand any – like none of it made any sense, and yet I listened to the entire thing and walked away with just like the, this man is just completely captivating. And Masvidal killed a man in eight seconds or five seconds with a flying knee. Literally killed him. Not literally. But, I mean, you saw that knockout of Ben Askren, right? amazing. Yeah. Like, these guys, they're going to... I cannot wait for this fight. MMA doesn't get me too excited anymore because there's just not a whole lot of draws or fights that I'm excited for. When is Tito Um, and Alberto coming up? (laughs) I'm excited for that for all the wrong reasons. I think that's in December. But, yeah, this Diaz-Mazvidal fight, I cannot fucking wait for this thing. Saturday's going to be fun. I'll I'll have MLW going. Canelo's fighting on Saturday as well. But uh, my attention's going to be on on Diaz and and Masvidal. That's the the big draw this weekend for me. All righty. Well, Jeremy, thank you as always, my friend. It was good talking to you. Uh, Again, we will be back Sunday. We will break down MLW Super Fight. We will break down the Saudi show. We will... Breakdown, power struggle. Uh, we're going to be starting getting heavy on the road to Wrestle Kingdom, Jeremy. A lot of stuff is going to be coming together as we move on here in the next few weeks. So between everything else and that, a lot of exciting stuff going on.
yeah, I mean, there's always wrestling. There's there's a lot of wrestling. There is, and it's fantastic because it's Wednesday. So I want to thank everybody for listening. This is the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and, of course, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe.